When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to Pro Football Network's premier fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, BJ Rudell, PFN Fantasy Football Director. With me, as always, is PFN Fantasy Analyst Jason Katz, better known as Katz. And as always, you can find us at profootballnetwork.com. Uh, we were all set to uh, cover a, a, a topic involving the Cowboys today, uh, Monday, March 7th. Um, and as Katz and I were uh, speaking and getting mic'd up and getting all ready for the show, uh, news broke about Calvin Ridley uh, getting suspended for the 2022 season uh, for gambling. And uh, so this is the most important subject right now, uh, and we're going to talk about it. And I'm going to start off by asking uh, Katz, uh, you were warning people about Ridley. You were concerned about Ridley even going into this uh, offseason. Uh, as a fantasy commodity, there's a lot of people in Dynasty who've been holding him, ready for him to uh, get back to where he was in 2020. Um, there are some who are doing early best ball drafts, maybe burning uh, an early-ish pick, third, fourth, fifth round on him based on his upside. What were your thoughts before this news broke today? I had seen or late 2021 or early 2022 a, a lot of... Uh, fantasy analysts talking about how now is the time to acquire Calvin Ridley. And of course, his value certainly was at an all-time low. Of course, it's lower now. But at that point, before we knew about this, it was still very low. And it, and he was a wide receiver one in, in 2020. So he sure seemed like a value. But we, they always say, right, the most important ability is availability. And again, we still do not know what was going on with Calvin Ridley's mental health issues. I uh, hope he gets all that sorted out. But as it pertains to fantasy football, it was it seemed like everyone was assuming that Ridley would just sit out the 2021 season and be good to go in 2022. And for the entirety of Ridley's absence, I thought that was a bit bold to assume. Now, I know now that he's obviously out for the year due to the suspension, but even before this, there was no guarantee Ridley was ever playing football in 2022. And when you were dealing with something that's so uncertain as mental health and a player stepping away, we hadn't really seen this before. I did think that it was a bit, it was a bit, I don't want to say reckless, but perhaps it was risky and riskier than people took into account or rather risky than people gave credit for to acquire Calvin Ridley, even at this reduced value, because there was always this chance that he would not play football, not just in 2022, but ever again. 
the ever again is a big statement and obviously uh you know uh and Katz and i would agree we have no idea what's going to happen uh the reality also is that calvin ridley if he does not appeal in the next three days he has three days to appeal and then he can also um uh, try to be reinstated uh during the season uh no, actually, but, it's February 15, 2023. That is the date in which he can apply for reinstatement. Apply, so right after the Super Bowl, he can apply. Thank you. Uh, but he has three days to appeal if he disagrees with the findings of the NFL investigation. And uh, the reality is he will be on another team uh, for all intents and purposes if he is on another team because 2022 is his last year under contract with Atlanta. And so we're looking at a situation where Calvin Ridley will be out of football, presumably, if he does not win an appeal uh, for the better part of uh, over two years, uh, with, with, with small exceptions. Uh, he'll be almost in Michael Thomas's position entering 2022 as a, as a one-time great, although Michael Thomas clearly had it with a demonstrated great, Calvin Ridley flashed as a great and certainly could be a great but we're gonna see somebody who is in his late 20s and trying to rebuild his career. So for just for all intents and purposes, are people right now, are you suggesting, uh, Katz, that people just assume that Calvin Ridley is not going to be anything close to the Calvin Ridley of old, or do you think that someone can get back on the field and get back to where he needs to be? It's a loaded question, but I think a lot of people are wondering that. We're going to see a lot of uh, advice on the dynasty front for teams that are not looking to win in 2022 to go out and acquire Ridley and for teams that are trying to win now to go sell him. And it's again, it, like we said, it's impossible for us to know what's going on. But what we can do is we can take the information we have and make uh, the best possible predictions as a dynasty manager. I would not be looking to acquire Calvin Ridley, even at a reduced cost. We're talking about a player that came into the NFL at a very, very advanced age. He's one of the oldest rookie wide receivers in recent memory at age 24 years old. He has put, he has put up four total NFL seasons, one of which was the 2021 season where he only played in five games. In his rookie season, uh, Julio Jones was still there. Julio Jones was obviously there for his first three years, and he, he wasn't that great as a rookie. He really came into his own in 2020. That is where Calvin really started to say, okay, I am, I can be this elite wide receiver one. And in that year, he was the wide receiver four, and he averaged 18.8 PPR points per game. That's really all we got from Ridley in terms of this elite wide receiver one. We had one year, and now he's going to have not played for over, over like 60-70% of a season. He's going to sit out an entire season due to suspension. There's no guarantee he gets reinstated in 2023. He still needs to apply and hope to win. Now, again, I do think he will get reinstated if, if and when he applies, but it's not a guarantee. The odds he doesn't are higher than 0%, and they have to be taken into account. So he's going to show up in the NFL on a new team, in a new offense, presumably, in 2023, new quarterback, having not played football, like you said, for the better part of two years. He's going to turn 29 years old during that 2023 season. And the age in which wide receiver production starts to fall off is 29. So if you're trying to get him in dynasty, you, even if you assume a quality 2023 season, we still don't know what that looks like. And then by 2024 now, your second year having production from him, he's he's already 30 years old. You could be looking at maybe two to three years and then he's just done being a productive fantasy asset. Uh, so it's just, it's very, very risky to acquire Ridley. You're looking 
very far into the future for a guy who is closer to the end of his career than we want to believe. And I'll I'll add uh, I'll pivot a little bit and say I think are, there are best case scenarios and then realistic best case scenarios. And I think looking at his value from a pure financial standpoint, coming off of this, there are going to be a lot of teams who probably think we can get this guy on the cheap. We can do a, a one year prove it deal or a two year deal um, or even a slightly longer deal with not a lot of it guaranteed because he might be eager to get back on the field and he might not have many better options. Um, and if that happens, we could see a case where a team has some extra money they can throw at him, but not as a number one. He could be a number three on a team. He might have to work his way into the fold as a regular contributor. So this is not a case where Calvin Ridley comes out of this if he is in fact suspended for the whole year, if he does not appeal or if his, he appeals and he's not successful, this is not a case where he comes out of it and then becomes some team's number one. You know, we're not looking to him joining Houston in 2023 to anchor a receiving core. The NFL is gonna move on without him. When he returns, what's likely is he'll get a cheap contract, he'll play a filler role, he'll try to assert himself. Maybe he's a 50 catch, 80, you know, 800 yard guy. Maybe he's a 30 catch, 600 yard guy, but he's not going to jump right back in and be a thousand yard guy in all likelihood. There's just not going to be that space for him in all likelihood to join a team and be the star on that team. So the, by the time you're getting to Calvin Ridley, reacclimating to the NFL, reasserting himself, getting back into mental and physical shape, he could be 30, 31 years old. And by that point, that's not usually an age conducive to a true number one uh, dominating on a team. Teams are often at that point bringing in younger guys, challenging the older guys, and Ridley at this point is all is more mythology than reality in terms of his fantasy production. He, like you said, he had one incredible year. He also the year before he had a great year, and I think he missed three games. Or uh, yeah, I think he missed three games, but on a per game basis, did very well. But still. Uh, this is a case where I would say to dynasty folks, I wouldn't go all the way that you went cats. I would say that everyone has a price in fantasy. Um, and in dynasty, uh, you could find someone who just wants to unload Calvin Ridley and you might give up not very much for him. You know, uh, you might give up someone like a, a Mike Gesicki or someone like that. If someone's desperate for, for a tight end and, and they think Gesicki might become a top seven, top eight again, you know, maybe you do that and then you just, you know, Ridley is playing with house money. You're just hoping that in the next two to three years, he becomes a weekly starter again. That's what you're hoping for. That's what you're gambling on. Um, and that's why we do fantasy football. Everyone has a price. Um, uh, Katz, what do you think about the rest of the team now? Russell Gage is a free agent as of this recording. Um, we'll find out more in the next week to, to two weeks where he goes or if he stays. Same thing with Corderell Patterson. Uh, Matt Ryan has two huge, uh, years left on his massive contract. Um, you know, my thinking is the Falcons, uh, they've got, I think eight picks out of the first 74 or something in this draft. They've got a lot of draft picks to play with. Um, they could completely rebuild their team in terms of receivers, uh, and, and find a quarterback of the future. Uh, right now, what's your thinking and fantasy wise, does Kyle Pitts suddenly become uh, you know, the, uh, a, a top three automatic tight end, because there really isn't going to be much competition, at least in the near term, unless they sign a great free agent, 
or do you think that everyone is still in a holding pattern and as we wait to see what this team will be? Well, right now, there are a lot of moving parts when it comes to the Falcons, especially long-term. We know they do not currently roster their QB of the future. Uh, Matt Ryan will be their quarterback this year. But beyond that, I'd be surprised if he was back in 2023. At some point, they need to just say, hey, we need to rebuild. And that's what they're going to have to do this year. They've got Kyle Pitts, which is great. He led the team in targets last year with 110. Russell Gage was second with 94. Beyond that, they've got Cordaro Patterson, free agent. And Russell Gage, also free agent. Mike Davis, who they can easily release if they want to. Olamide Zacchaeus, free agent. Calvin Ridley, suspended. And then you get into the ancillary players that just don't really matter. So we're looking at everyone on this roster behind Kyle Pitts is completely in flux right now. Kyle Pitts currently, I believe, I know ADPs don't matter in, in March, but he's looking to be in like a, a late second, early third round pick right around where like Darren Waller went in 2021 drafts, right around where Justin Jefferson went in 2021 draft. You're already paying for the expected breakout. And now that he's really going to be the only game in town, depending on what the Falcons do in free agency in the draft, uh, Pitts' value could be, it, it could just skyrocket in, into into a level that he just cannot possibly meet no matter how good he is. That's where it was last year. We talked about this on the tight end show last week where Pitts was priced at such a, a, a cost where no matter how good he was, he was never going to be able to live up to that to that value just because he was it was too expensive. And we could be looking at that again. Uh, but in terms of in terms of long term value, I, I love Pitts. Obviously, he's going to be their wide receiver one as at tight end. But I do think at this point they're going to draft somebody. They have to draft a receiver, and there are so many talented receivers in this rookie class that someone is yeah. going to get a chance to shine. And I'm very very excited to see who that who that is. This could be a really uh, uh, one of those like blue moon situations where you get a team where in, in fantasy um, you get a team with two rookie receivers who are both must draft. You know, you you get a lot of those cases like last year. You had you know the buzz around Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith and others, uh, Jalen Waddle. Um, but you don't usually get a team that rebuilds from both wideout positions. And this is a case where the Falcons are really in that, in that boat, unless they sign someone free agency who is an impact receiver, uh, they have nothing to lose, uh, trying to see if they can play for 2024, uh, essentially 2024 would be, uh, the first year that, you know, if, if they don't re-sign Matt Ryan, uh, they would have a new quarterback in place. And they would have three to four years of experience from a young core uh, of potentially very talented receivers led by Pitts and two wideouts. Uh, and, and hopefully by that point, they have some kind of running back they can work with um, and not lean on, you know, 30-year-old Cordero Patterson, who they, um, by the end, they weren't using properly. They weren't using him enough in the passing game. He was becoming more of just a, a, a straight-up running back, and it wasn't working. Um, but this team, it seems like from a fantasy perspective, it might look like they're, uh, you know, they're, they have a dearth of talent, but the talent will come. There will be guys to throw to. The hope from a dynasty perspective is that they're young guys or it's a really high impact guy, because if it's just getting someone to fill a role, it's very hard. I mean, not to throw someone like John Brown under the bus, but John Brown is your prototypical. He joins a team. You kind of, you're not sure how to draft him. Do you draft him late? Maybe he's the number three guy on the team, maybe in the right position. He's, his situation, he's the number two. 
but is he really the number two? You know, kind of like a Nelson Aguilar that we saw with the Patriots. He, he, he got drafted by a lot of fantasy managers, but it, it wasn't because he was uh, necessarily a top 40 or even top 50 fantasy wideout. He just happened to be the number one or number two, depending on how you saw it last August, for the Patriots. So, you know, with that in mind, Katz, it, are these, and I'm kind of feeding this to you, but do you see this as a major dynasty buy for whoever the Falcons draft if they draft some wideouts? Uh, is this draft class deep enough where you feel like the Falcons can get their receivers up? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Of the future. When we look at this draft class, I don't necessarily see a Jamar Chase level prospect or a Calvin Johnson level prospect. But what I do see are several guys, anywhere from like maybe five to maybe 10 guys who could be high wide receiver twos like fantasy type or even wide receiver ones and real life wide receiver twos and, and, and ones are in this draft. And the Falcons are likely to take one of them either in the first round or on day two. I think they have four picks in the top 74. I'd be stunned if they didn't use one, possibly even two on a wide receiver. And one parallel I want to draw is if you're thinking about acquiring Calvin Ridley, he's someone that you're going to need to sit on for at least one full season before you can get, uh, for lack of a better term, a breakout. I'm using that term for a specific reason, because if instead you go and draft a 22-year-old rookie and you sit on him for a year while he gets acclimated to the NFL and has you know an okay rookie season and breaks out in year two, you could have the same caliber of, of asset at six years younger. And I think that there's definite value there in not just whoever the Falcons draft, but in any of these rookies, I would value any rookie that lands in in a good in a good spot that's taken on either day one or day two over Ridley, depend, depending on the situation. But I think yeah. most of those guys are going to be better dynasty buys than Calvin Ridley. Yeah, that's well said. And thank you for correcting me earlier in the podcast. I said eight of the top 74 picks. Falcons have, uh, Kat's uh, corrected me. They have eight overall picks at four of the top 74. Um, so they have, uh, according to the Falcons website, they have the eighth highest draft capital in the NFL in terms of what they can buy with with their draft picks. So they're in pretty good uh, position. Um, and maybe it's a mixed blessing that Ridley will be a free agent after next season, because I think that would have created, um, as we've seen in Houston with Deshaun Watson this year, and as we've seen even with the Saints and Michael Thomas, uh, when you have someone under contract, um, and uh, 
because of either something they're doing off the field or suspected of doing off the field or for any other reason, if you are unable to trade that person for what you think they're worth, you are stuck with them. Uh, unless you do what the Browns did with Odell Beckham Jr. and and uh, you know set up a buyout. Um, so uh, Calvin Ridley, his time ending presumably with the Falcons at the end of this contract, um, means the Falcons can officially move on. They don't have to wonder how they're supposed to draft in light of their priorities. They know what their priorities are. Um, uh, what do you think this does to Matt Ryan? Uh, and, and just to, to set it up, uh, I'll jump in and say Russell Gage um, was one of those guys I kept fading uh, and, and continually was wrong about because he was pretty much the last guy standing in that receiving core after Kyle Pitts. I was much more on the Kyle Pitts bandwagon. I didn't think Russell Gage could step up. Gage certainly did. Um, you know, he caught 70% of his passes. Uh, he uh, had, you know, in limited time, I think projected out over, you know, a full season, he easily would have had over a thousand yards and probably five or six touchdowns. He was a very capable receiver in an offense that just didn't have any other wideouts to go to after Calvin Ridley stepped away in whatever it was, week five, week six. So with that in mind, it would seem that if Russell Gage can be fantasy relevant, and maybe this isn't fair to say, but Russell Gage is a former sixth round pick. He's not an anchor. He's not, he wasn't intended to anchor a receiving core. It's fair to wonder then if that becomes a baseline for a number one who comes in, uh, whether the Falcons sign someone big, I don't know if they can afford to, or going through, through uh, the draft, it would seem to your point, Katz, in terms of getting maybe a high end, you know, WR2, if, if Russell Gage getting back-to-back, -back, almost 800-yard, four-touchdown seasons, um, surely we could imagine a great prospect could get that if there's not a lot of competition. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. And I think that whoever the Falcons draft could have a wide receiver three-type season, maybe at least as a rookie, with upside for more. Remember, Russell Gage last season, 66 catches, 770 yards, four touchdowns. Not a, not a massive season, not a great season by any stretch, but he was fantasy relevant. And if Gage can do that, and Gage is very much like this replacement level type wide receiver, three slot guy, definitely has a role in the NFL, definitely can be fantasy relevant and can be productive when he gets the volume. What if the Falcons end up with like a really athletic uh, outside receiver or they or they draft somebody that they can pepper with targets? There's there's so much There's so much room in that offense for somebody to come in and soak up volume that the upside for whoever ends up being there to start and produce is very high, even with an aging Matt Ryan. Yes, and just to wrap things up, we'll, we'll focus on Matt Ryan. It's the first time, he's, he's coming up on 37, and 2021 was the first time he didn't hit 4,000 passing yards since 2010. Um, so it's a pretty pretty big deal that he was that consistent that many years his 20 touchdown passes worst since his rookie season um i think there are certainly questions that can be raised about how much of this is on matt ryan as he advances in age as his uh, mobility lessens uh, perhaps arm strength but i don't know for sure i'll be honest with you but there are certainly concerns about how much longer matt ryan can be a franchise quarterback much less a franchise elevating quarterback uh, someone who can actually help take a team 
uh, beyond where it's expected to go. And actually the Falcons stayed in the playoff hunt much longer than most expected. And you could argue Cordero Patterson um, uh, and, and Kyle Pitts had a lot to do with that, particularly Patterson. I mean, he was for a while looking like uh, uh, the MVP, if not for Jonathan Taylor and Aaron Rodgers and Derrick Henry. Um, it sounds crazy, but Cordero Patterson, can you name me many players who carried a team like he did and probably earned as many wins for his team as anyone else did? Um, but assuming if he's gone and everyone else is gone, you look at Matt Ryan through the fewest uh, pass attempts uh, that he has in five seasons, and it was a longer season uh, than it was five seasons ago. So arguably, I haven't done the math, but I think it's the fewest per game passes that he's thrown since 2009. And so the question becomes, does this go back to being a more pass-happy offense? The defense can't consistently keep offenses in check. This is a team that has to play catch-up uh, frequently. Um, maybe you know you can chalk it up to the fact that he's throwing to Russell Gage and a rookie Kyle Pitts, and there's not a lot of options. But in a rebuilt team, could you imagine, and I can imagine, Matt Ryan working with, you know, a free agent acquisition, uh, you know, hot young rookie and Kyle Pitts and a decent backfield. And suddenly you get back to Matt Ryan being a streaming quarterback. Is that too far fetched cats? Or are you with me? It's so tricky because Matt Ryan is just three years removed from finishing as the overall QB three by points per game. QB two, if you remove an eight games, the eight games Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2018 at 21.9 fantasy points per game. Then in 2019 and 2020, he regressed a bit, but he was still in that QB 10 to 14 range. He was still very much a guy you could stream or you could, who could be your back end QB one fantasy. Then all of a sudden in 2021, the wheels completely fell off. I mean, Ryan averaged, trying to pull it up right now. Ryan averaged 13.7 fantasy points per game. I mean, I, I have I didn't go back and look at every year of his career, but I would imagine numbers. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine that's that's the lowest probably since his rookie season. And this is a guy who's been fantasy relevant his entire career in, in to varying degrees. At age 37, is he gonna suddenly have this renaissance? I, I mean, it's it's unlikely, but it's not unprecedented. We saw I know Aaron Rodgers being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time is not the best comparison, but Aaron Rodgers had two down years in twenty in 2018 and 2019 coming off of 2017 where he got hurt. And then 2020, 2021, he's a top five fantasy quarterback and he was the MVP. So it's possible at this age, we've seen plenty of quarterbacks play well into their late thirties and even early forties. So I'm not ready to completely write off Matt Ryan, but they do need to put some talent around him going into 2022. I expect that no matter what the Falcons do on offense, Matt Ryan will not be drafted in your standard 12 side 12 team uh, fantasy right. league. But I wouldn't rule out him popping up early in the season as, Hey, you know what? Matt Ryan figured it out. He's still all right. Maybe I've got used for him. That's and that's, exactly. that's the best thing I could say about Matt Ryan. You sound like my inner voice. Yeah. Um, uh, that's, that's exactly where I'm going with it. I, I think if you're in a super flex league, dynasty, super flex, now's the time to trade for Matt Ryan, you know, to, to unsuspecting fantasy managers, you hear this news today, and then you get an offer from Matt Ryan. I think a lot of people would take what you know any reasonable offer that somebody sends for Matt Ryan at this point. But what they're not thinking about is that the Falcons have nowhere to go but up. Uh, they played most of last season without Calvin Ridley. I mean, that's just 
the way it, the way it went, and they played with uh, you know Kyle Pitts and Russell Gage as their top two. That's it's very hard for any quarterback to succeed um, under those circumstances. Um, and so I would say Matt Ryan is the way I look at him is he's a declining talent, but he's also coming off arguably his least productive season since his rookie campaign. And those two things can be true at the same time. Uh, he can no longer be a realistic bet for top five production or even, you know, unrealistic bet, semi-realistic. And at the same time, he can be someone that you take seriously in super flex leagues and in one QB leagues as a streamer. I just want to point this out too, just very bluntly. When, when Ridley was still playing last year, Matt Ryan had 12 touchdowns in his first six games. In his final, what is it, uh, 11 games, uh, this was touchdown passes, by the way, uh, Matt Ryan had eight. So he went from uh, 12 in his first six games to eight in his last 11 when it was just Russell Gage and Kyle Pitts for all intents and purposes. When we look at Matt Ryan heading into this next season, don't just look at his total numbers. Look at what he did when he had a number one caliber receiver and a great young rookie tight end to complement, you know, a, a, a subpar receiving core. And that's what Matt Ryan can do. So I, I, I'm looking at Matt Ryan as a 28 touchdown guy next year, not a 20 touchdown guy. And that could be the difference between drafting him and not drafting him. I'll give you the last word, Katz. Any final thought? Uh, it is March. Free agency hasn't even started yet. We've still got the NFL draft of us. There is so much that's going to happen in this never-ending drama that is the NFL. Uh, so just always be aware that player values and 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 things just constantly are changing in the NFL. And just be prepared to always be reacting to new news and whatever information is out there. And, uh, and stay with us at Pro Football Network because we are on top of everything as it is released. Fantastic. Thanks, Katz. That's a great close. Uh, stay with Pro Football Network, profootballnetwork.com. Again, Jason Katz, I'm BJ Rudell, and uh, we will see you tomorrow.